Hello, and welcome to the NCEA podcast. This week's episode is sponsored by OSV. One important goal of Catholic education is to build a strong, vibrant Catholic identity so students go forth from the school to live as missionary disciples. Your choice of religion curriculum can be instrumental in reaching this goal. OSV's Alive in Christ for Schools, grades 1 through 8, builds Catholic identity in a systematic and intentional manner. Each lesson in every grade of Alive in Christ includes cross-curricular projects or activities that connect what students are learning about their faith to history, science, social studies, and more. OSV is here to partner with you to create an environment in which faith is learned and lived, not only in religion class, but across the curriculum and long after students have left the building. Find out more at osv.com. I am Jill Annable, the Executive Director for Academic Excellence here at NCEA, and I am so excited about today's conversation. I have with me Denise Donahue from the Cardinal Newman Society. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. We have worked together over time on different projects, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about those, but also the work of Cardinal Newman Society and especially because you are one of our speakers at our upcoming NCEA 2021 Ignite, Unite, and Inspire convention, which is online this year. Um, so we'll get to talk about your session too, which is very exciting. Yeah, so let's start with, just tell us about yourself and your connection to Catholic education. Well, I've worked in Catholic education for 27 years now, since 1994, uh, when I assisted in opening an elementary school in Denton. And of course, uh, when you have an elementary, then you need a high school. So uh, I went ahead and opened up a high school um, in Denton, Texas, and then um, got my master's in Catholic school leadership from the University of Dallas and uh, met a, a great friend and a colleague of mine, Dr. Dan Gernsney at that time. And he actually persuaded me to come to Ave Maria, Florida, where I'm at right now as his assistant head of school. Um, in anticipation of the Department of Education opening up at Ave. And when the department opened up, I moved over there, uh, taught measurement and assessment, instructional strategies, uh, the basic uh, intro to Catholic education courses for pre-service teachers for about six or seven years. Um, and then uh, after that, I worked for the Cardinal Newman Society, promoting and defending Catholic education for the past seven years now. That is great. Can, tell us a little bit more for anyone who's listening who hasn't um, seen your work at Cardinal Newman Society. Um, what do you do there and what um, projects have you been working on? Um, well, uh, first a little bit about the Cardinal Newman Society, if folks don't know, it was founded by Patrick Riley in 1993, so this is our 28th year of focusing on the promotion and defense of faithful Catholic education. So the organization started out focused on higher education, and since I came on board seven years ago and uh, Dan Gernsney, We've included Catholic elementary and secondary schools in our mission. So that is primarily my focus, is overseeing the Catholic um, education honor roll and the evaluation programs for Catholic schools. Um, so the, for the past two years, we've been researching and writing policy guidelines for Catholic schools to assist them with strengthening 
their Catholic identity, basically for the integrity of their organization, as well as to protect against potential litigation. Um, with the new leadership in the White House, we're seeing quite serious potential threats to our religious freedom and to operate under our faith-based principles. So we believe that this work um, hopefully will be very beneficial to our Catholic schools and particularly right now will be very important. So um, some of the policies and guidelines that we produced are um, standards for secular materials and programs for use in Catholic schools. We've looked at uh, the use of secular character building programs. We've analyzed the use of the AP and the IB program um, in Catholic schools and so forth. So we've done an awful lot of work um, to assist Catholic schools. And basically that comes from superintendents who call us and say, I need help and assistance in this particular area. Can you review this or give me some guidance? So that's, uh, our, our work never ends. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I love when organizations like like ours and yours get to work together in some of that work because there's so much advocacy for us to do for Catholic education um, and to bring in Catholic identity the right way to do it well. No one wants to do it poorly, but everyone needs guidance. And um, that is where our work started to intersect. Um, I'm trying to think of our timeline then. It must have been, and you'll have to tell me when they were established, but Cardinal Newman Society published the Catholic Curriculum Standards right when I was coming into my role as assistant superintendent in the Diocese of Grand Rapids. And it came at a time when we were rewriting all of our curriculum standards, all subject areas, all grades, so that we were truly integrating Catholic identity and theology teaching across all content areas. And the funny moment was when we were, we were drafting and drafting and suddenly our superintendent came in my office and said, it was published. You can use it. The Cardinal Newman Society published theirs. And when I opened it up, I realized that it was the missing piece. It was the part that I needed. It was the language I needed to use um, without trying to invent it ourselves. Can you tell me more about um, that decision to write the Catholic curriculum standards and remind me of that timeline a bit? Yeah. Oh, that's a wonderful testimony, Jill. Thank you for um, sharing that because your story is what we've heard from other superintendents across the country. You know, they're, they're very similar stories is they don't want to reinvent the wheel and they need the language basically that we've provided them. So um, we spent an awful lot of time my first several years working with Cardinal Newman, just looking at the church documents and what the church says about Catholic education and from that work, we derived what we call the principles of Catholic identity in education. And they're very similar to Archbishop Miller's um, benchmarks, and most people are familiar with those. But what we've did done is we've taken those principles and we've created num numerous documents or approaches for different constituents within a school system. So we have a document for parents, we have a document for faculty and staff. Um, for board members to actually look at their school and to look at their specifically their Catholic identity um, as to what the church document says their schools should be doing. So we worked with this uh, project, but almost simultaneously, and it was around 2014, 2015, 
that um, the Cardinal Newman Society was being approached by donors and administrators and teachers and all working through this Common Core era um, mm -hmm. where the majority, actually the majority of our Catholic schools, the diocesan schools, um, adapted or used the Common Core standards in some fashion. So um, people were saying, but, you know, there's got to be more. This isn't sufficient for us. And even the U.S. Bishop said the Common Core is, you know, a set of standards and they're good standards, but they're insufficient for our purposes. So right. um, my, my colleague Dan Gersney and I, we do a lot of brainstorming sessions. And so we sat down and we said, you know, is this what we need to do? We need to write these standards. And um, Dan took a first stab at it going through uh, just gleaning these church documents with every um, specific uh, reference to English, science, math, history. What is it that we can pull out? What is it that they're telling us? And it's really interesting because when you do that type of um, uh, in-depth analysis, what you'll find is the church um, doesn't specifically state what you should be teaching in those disciplines, but how you should be teaching or the, the, um, the dispositions that uh, Catholic school educators should be eliciting from their students. We're in the job of formation, right? This is what we've been doing forever since you know, Catholic schooling began. And it's forming the students, you know, body, mind, and soul. So um, the documents talk very explicitly about that particular uh, type of formation. So that's the, the dispositions that you'll find in the um, Catholic curriculum standards. But anyway, so, so they, start, they were uh, released in 2016. And uh, they're specifically Catholic standards for those four academic areas, English, history, math, and we call it scientific topics because mm -hmm. it's not um, pertaining to one particular uh, uh, strain of scientific research, but uh, in general. And um, they actually have um, general standards to begin with, but they have some content standards within them. Um, but primarily uh, dispositions, mathematics, as a matter of fact, is basically all dispositional standards. Yes, I love that. I just I just want to say, so it was interesting because the first time I read them, I thought, okay, this isn't Catholic Common Core. Like this is, this is the why. I like that you said it that way and the how, you know, the why and the how. And, and it gives the beauty to why we teach math, why we inquire in science. And, um, you know, and you wouldn't just slap these on top of Common Core State Standards, but you really can use the language and use the standards. We actually used them too in Grand Rapids um, to stretch to all the elective courses too, because we could see the language in there helped to, uh, helped us to write that type of language and disposition um, in and beyond the four core areas. So that was that was a true gift to us for sure. Right. So so they actually go beyond um, a theological perspective and, and they add the philosophical, which is what you're finding where you can um, transfer like a standard from one discipline to the other. You know, um, um, St. John Newman 
talks about the unity of knowledge and you know Newman society and so forth but <laughs> all this uh, all knowledge comes to the focus of our faith um, and, and to a higher perspective and so by adding the philosophical into the theological you know um, St. Thomas Aquinas says uh, he was actually um, uh, uh, oh I, I can't think of the word now um, chided for using philosophy as much as he did mm -hmm. but he said i'm using the water of philosophy to bring out the wine of theology so you know there's a wonderful um depth that we can achieve when we use these these transcendentals of what you have found of truth beauty and goodness that um are strains of inquiry that help a student look at not only the depth of a subject content area, but they're able to then ascend to a higher thinking um, within that specific content. And that's, that's what we want in Catholic education. We want our students to see the unity of knowledge. We want them to understand the concept, transfer the concept into life, right, into other areas and then to see how it all fits into God's bigger picture. And so thus, you know, the wording um, and so forth of, you know, the, the Catholic curriculum standards. But I want to go back just a second and point out that those principles of Catholic identity and education actually helped derive a curricular framework for the standards. And if you... Um, go into the, the standards document yourself, you know, anyone goes in there, they'll see that there's five different principles. And basically, you know, they go around the integral formation of the human person, that there is an objective reality that includes transcendence, that a, a Catholic curricular standards promotes human virtue, the dignity of the human person. It encourages the synthesis of faith and life. And that it does come from a Catholic worldview and a Catholic perspective. And that's so very important today because we're seeing all these different lenses uh, being placed on education as a whole. And, and education um, in the public sphere is changing right now to this critical race theory lens. And so we need to be cognizant of that and, and come back to our roots of who we are in Catholic education, that those roots entail a Catholic worldview and a Catholic lens, which is very Christocentric, which, um, you know, it, it touches the heartstrings of the human person and their their actual nature. So um, I think if, if educators can um, come back to who we are in Catholic education, come back to those foundational documents, um, they can't go wrong with the contemporary issues like Common Core or critical race theory or whatever might come next uh, that we might consider bringing into our Catholic, um, you know, sphere of education. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, that's important. And I think I think when we bring our Catholic worldview to any of any of the topics in secular society, we're going to come to a deeper truth, and we're going to realize the complexity of what we're called to do. Um, as Catholics. And I, I think I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and we can talk curriculum all day, which I love. We always end up doing that as we start chatting. But I want to really talk about too, I, I enjoyed with the Catholic curriculum standards, how much 
Um, if a school is using them, they get to the heart of some of my favorite parts of academic excellence in the national standards and benchmarks for effective Catholic schools, um, which is housed here at NCEA, especially, and this is what your session is about for convention, is about how um, all of our schools are called to do the integration of faith well. Um, it's, it spreads across standards three and four, two, three, and four of the standards and benchmarks, but especially, especially 7.1, 7.2, um, in order for schools to self-assess um, high in our standards and benchmarks for accreditation or for strategic planning purposes, they have to be able to do this well. And I know that when a school is using yours, um, it's giving them the right language and the right framework. I know from my experience that integrating um, integrating your standards has strengthened teachers because they start to say, if they're vulnerable, vulnerable enough to say, I'm not sure what this means. Like, I know I'm accountable to teach this, but I need to understand this better. And through that comes very authentic professional development because they are seeking a deeper layer of truth. And I've enjoyed that part of my work. And now I get to do more of that work here at NCA than I was in the diocesan office to have these conversations with teachers and school leaders um, to better understand what we're called to do. And I think that's that's such a gift. So I appreciate that and your work. Um, let's talk a little bit about your session then. What are what will you be talking about um, as you you're kind of intersecting the national standards and benchmarks for effective Catholic schools with the Catholic curriculum standards. Uh, what approach did you use or do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. Thanks for sharing um, your insights on that, because that's always interesting for me, you know, as a, a co-writer of, of anything, you know, we always need some feedback and to actually see what we've produced in action. Um, so I was able to do that actually in uh, an accreditation visit that I made with one of the schools that was uh, using the um, the uh, Catholic curriculum standards. And from a, an accreditation standpoint, I was saying, geez, you just, you pop in these standards and you've got, you know, at least five of these benchmarks already complete. And so I was really happy to actually see that. I had never done that before. I had never done an intersection of the two until most recently, probably, I think it was, um, uh, when did I go? Maybe three months ago. Um, to that school. So I was so very pleased. And that's what made me think that more schools really should see this connection. So I just pulled out uh, five of the benchmarks for my session to explain to the viewer, whoever was uh, viewing the session, that um, how easy it was that if they put in these particular standards that they would be able to almost click off these five different benchmarks. Um, but most specifically, it was interesting. It was uh, 2.5 and 2.7 um, that uh, talked about the um, uh, the faculty uh, use the lens of scripture and Catholic intellectual tradition in all subjects and uh, to help students think critically and ethically. So I, I thought, what is this Catholic intellectual tradition? So for me, that was really the pursuit of truth. That was the framework that we put together from the principles of Catholic identity. It was the framework we took from that to build the curricular standards. So based on the pursuit of truth, which is a general standard that goes throughout all four of the academic disciplines, the unity of faith and reason, again, that's completely um, 
within probably science, history, math, all four of them as well. So um, it, it the standards directly um, connected with those two benchmarks. And then, of course, the, the Catholic social teachings, um, history, we have um, addressed that in the, the K-6 as well as the 712 standards, our Catholic social teaching. Very specifically, um, I put those in there, knowing that schools needed to do that, that they were required to do that for accreditation. And then um, definitely the last three with the um, uh, that focus primarily on curriculum. But the last one I want to talk about is the uh, classroom instruction is designed to intentionally address the affective dimensions of learning, such as the intellectual and social dispositions, relationship building and habits of mind, and that's 7.5. So um, most recently, again, here's an example of our work with, with Cardinal Newman. We had a superintendent say, could you help me with habits of mind? Um, that is a phrase that's used in the National Catholic Standards and Benchmarks, but it's also a program um, that's very popular, that's been around for over 20 years, that's called Habits of Mind. So schools pretty much um, connect that requirement with that particular program. And so the superintendent said, do, do all my schools need to include this program, Habits of Mind? And, and that was his, his query to me. He said, you know, is this necessary? Or if they do the Catholic curriculum standards, are they already addressing this? So, you know, here's my exercise. <laughs> I, I said, oh, you know, let me see. And so I go in and I'm looking at, at this uh, crosswalk. So the habits of mind are basically intellectual dispositions, right? And as I've already said, the, the church teaches dispositions that we should form in our students. And so there's this natural uh, intersection between the habits of mind and the Catholic curriculum standards. But again, as we've already discussed, the Catholic curriculum standards not only address the cognitive behavior that the habits of mind are hoping to elicit, but they address the, um, the, the transcendent as well. They're, they're moving the student from thinking and acquiring knowledge in a certain way to actually inquiring about that knowledge to a higher end and to the ultimate end, right? Yes. And I love this topic. I got to say, like, whenever our teachers see the habits of mind, they they glance at it and then they say, well, actually, we do this better because we teach virtue <laughs> and we 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 keep kids accountable to virtuous behavior and we discipline through virtue. And we, you know, and so it's like like anything in secular society, we are able to take it um, up a notch because we have over time done it better as long as we are true to our roots um, while secular society tries to describe it without what we have you know so it's I appreciate that work so you are publishing relatively soon probably that crosswalk with habits of mind is that right it's going out right now to our content reviewers we always send um, these types of analyses out to third parties whether they're um, educators in the field, content experts at, at our um, Cardinal Newman colleges and universities, superintendents, um, particular content experts. So we have a policy guidance on the use of human sexuality programs in Catholic schools. So those go out to um, uh, Catholic, um, uh, well, not specifically Catholic educators, but those in their field who 
um, work with uh, that uh, human sexuality. So the Catholic Bioethics Center has actually um, contributed to some of the reviews that we've done. So we, we look for those particular content experts. We make those adjustments. We make those edits. So it's really not just us producing. It's you probably get about eight to 12 uh, experts on a document that comes out from the Cardinal Newman Society. So yeah, so the, um, the analysis of habits of mind will be coming out before the end of this month. And uh, I want um, those who view that document to actually look at some of, we have actually three additional habits of mind that uh, we propose schools add to that list. And I'll just leave that as kind of a teaser. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I won't, go, I won't go into what those That's are. Great. Well, and I, wanna, I don't want to forget that we need to talk about the Standards for Christian Anthropology, which was a project between Cardinal Newman Society and Rural Woods. Um, which also just very timely for what I was doing in my previous role as assistant superintendent was trying to explain where theology of the body sits among um, the other standards for theology and religion. Can you talk about that too for us? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, uh, after we finished with the Catholic curriculum standards, I I knew that there was a missing piece, just like you knew that there was a missing piece that that you were looking for, Jill. Um, we needed to hone in on the, the nature of the human person. And so I was really compelled to uh, create standards that really focused on Christian anthropology. And so I was I, I would just sit during adoration and I would read John Paul II's um, Wednesday addresses, right? The male and female document that was translated by uh, Mikhail Wallstein which is daunting if you've never read yes. it before. Oh, I know. Yes. Don't start there. If you are not sure where to start, don't start with the actual work. It's hard. It's difficult read. It is very difficult. And so you could see this task ahead of me. I'm going, I've got to create these standards. And I'm, the only way I knew it was to go through this. But in my communication with Rua Woods, they said, oh, we're doing this, Denise. You, you, we're, it's going to get done. And I was just like, I threw up my hands and I said, thank you, Lord, I don't have to do this. <laughs> and so they came out with a set and they showed it to me as a draft, as a content expert to help them. And I said, oh, I want to work with you on this. Oh, I think I can really uh, provide my skills and we can make this into a wonderful document. So over the next year, I worked with Dr. Joan Kingsland, who's their content expert. And she's brilliant, by the way. If you haven't heard her speak, she's also going to be working with you at the convention. I'm going to put a little plug there, but she is brilliant. Yes, yes. She's wonderful. And she's become a really good friend. So uh, we worked on these content standards together. They're K-8. And uh, they were originally the K-5 um, curriculum was already written from Rua Woods. So Joan went in and she pulled out standards from that written curriculum. And then for the sixth through eighth grade, she created a framework for the writers to actually write the curriculum. And then she and I pulled back out again to create standards from that. So um, there's all different ways of writing standards and, and creating standards. And so that's really the origin of how these came about. But the thing I want to say is that we wrote these standards so that they wouldn't necessarily have to tie to Ruawood's curriculum because we wanted them to be useful for right. anyone. 
Mm-hmm. And so we were very uh, purposeful about the language, um, the alignment of the standards, the depth of the standards, the sequencing of the standards, um, so that anyone can kind of put together their own curriculum for them. Right. Uh, usually that's what happens, you know, that we get a set of standards and then we write the curriculum for them. Um, so anyway, th- you know, that's how those come out, came out. And, you know, my desire was to create a, a set of standards for Christian anthropology. And so I was working with Joan and I'm thinking in my mind, okay, these are TOB standards and they're wonderful and they're really good. And I said to Joan, I said, when we're done with this, can you help me with a set of standards for Christian anthropology? And she goes, oh, yes, of course. And then she looked at me and she said, Denise, John Paul II saw these as an adequate anthropology of the human person. She goes, I really don't think we're going to see anything different. And so we went back through and we looked and we said, well, you know, we can always add a little standard here or there. But we thought this is an adequate set of standards. That's so funny. But yeah, it was, it was, you know, God's divine hand was really in this, I think, when I, um, when I look back and I see how they all came together. I mean, they were released, um, I think, on his birthday. So it was, there are so many little things that have happened mm-hmm. with them. But the bottom line is, is that um, they hone in on the, the identity of the human person. And they're not what the, my colleagues at Real Woods call um, this frontal approach. Uh, they're not sex ed. They're, mm-hmm, right. They look at the nature of the human person and his relationship with God and with others. And um, they go back to Genesis. They go back to the origin and to the beginning, which is Christ's teaching you know, to the Pharisees. He said, you have to go back to the beginning. And I really think that if we focus on those instructions in Genesis, we can really find the truth of the human person, his relationship with God, his identity of male and female, who he, he really is, um, and, and that call to communion, um, how God designed it, that unity of a man and a woman with God. Um, which is really the the crises that we're facing right now today. Our young people are facing these crises with their self-identity and all these different genders that that society has opened that that door for them to go down this hole when in effect again, you know with our Catholic teaching and tradition, God has told us who we are and we really need to go back like Christ said, go back to the beginning of, of male and female man and woman. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not as simple. I mean, our teachers would love just the simple manual, like what is the Catholic version of sex ed? And this is not even close, right? So, so I think that's important. I'm glad that you talked about that. Um, And I also want to say that these work in conjunction with your core theology framework and curriculum. So we are still advocating for the use of the catechism in K-8, the use of the USCCB framework in 9 through 12. Oh, also, we were able to use, um, I worked with a group of high school theology teachers to use the standards for Christian anthropology. So even though they are grade level um, up through eighth grade, we were able to use the language of sixth, seventh, and eighth grade and infiltrate that into the high school curriculum along with USCCB framework. We found the right language. We figured out 
Um, especially if you've never taught TOB at the high school level, this was very appropriate through high school um, to weave into your coursework. So that was that was great. Oh, that's phenomenal. I, I know that you're not alone in doing that. There's other there's other dioceses that are actually uh, using um, Rua Wood's work and the themes of the standards for Christian anthropology for high school. So um, I would imagine that there's going to be some of those coming out here fairly soon within the year. Great. That's great. So this has been great. I could talk curriculum all day with a number of you out there uh, listening, but I am so grateful for your work at Cardinal Newman Society and how we all work together um, to breathe excellence into our schools and not compromise on Catholic identity as we deliver strong academics. Um, it's been just such a gift. And I look forward to future partnerships with you as we advocate for strong Catholic education. Um, what's what's on the horizon or what do you see next in your work? Well, we're always working with superintendents and I always kind of get called into different areas um, of, of concern, right? So um, right now I'm looking at critical race theory and hoping to provide some guidance for schools. So we kind of work along those areas, but really we're focused on creating policy language and standards um, in a multiple uh, grouping of different areas for Catholic schools um, to give schools language and rationale um, for what they're uh, for what they're doing, and that is so really important. It's the rationale behind why we do the things in Catholic education that really will help us with any potential litigation that might come our way. So um, that's what we're really focused on right now. And of course, you know, if if you have a project for me or anyone has a project for me, I'm I'm open to listen. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you all of all of you for listening. Um, we hope that this conversation uh, continues to bless your work in Catholic education, um, and we'll see you next week. God bless.